0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents, Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us every week at the same time. I trust you're being blessed by this series that we're doing. I think this will probably be the last program of the series. We did a four-part series on Romans 7, the latter part, and all of Romans chapter 8. We're talking about Band-Aid religion, and the difference between the Spirit-governed life and the flesh-governed life, and totally probably different than you've ever thought before. Because what Paul called being in the flesh in Romans 7 and 8 is being under the law. What Paul calls being in the Spirit is being governed by the Holy Spirit. In the book of Galatians, he said, you started out in the Spirit... Do you think you'll be made perfect by the flesh? He was talking about going back up under the law and all the Judaizers that had come in and bewitched the Galatians. He calls that being in the flesh. When we think about being in the flesh, many times we're thinking about, well, I had a carnal thought or I did something wrong. Much more powerful, much more to it than that. You can go back, though, and watch those segments. Uh, We have everything that we have aired today. Let me just take a moment to tell you this before I move on. Everything we have aired to date is archived on our YouTube uh, channel. And uh, it is also on our iTunes podcast, the audio portions of these programs. And it is also available on Android through an RSS feed. The easiest way to go back and watch anything we've done, and I, I, like I said, this, this whole teaching is a series. So you've got to get all the pieces. You simply go to my website, and that address is on the screen, Linhouse.com. And if you go, go there, and, and, and on the opening page, in the upper right hand corner, there are little icons there. One will have a YouTube insignia. One will have a little uh, uh, iTunes insignia. And one will have a little robot looking thing for Android. Tap on each one of those, depending on what you want. If you want to watch the YouTube, tap on the YouTube icon. It will take you directly to our YouTube page. The same way with the iTunes, it will take you directly to our podcast. That's the easiest way to do it without having to search. When you go there, you can also go to the RSS feed for Android. It's there, on that little robot. You just just tap it, and it'll take you there. But while you're there, sign up, uh, and uh, you know, for, sign up for the subscription to it. There's no charge for it. And every time we upload a video, you will get a uh, you will get a uh, a notification that we have uploaded it. Please feel free to share these. You can share them on your Facebook page. You can share them on your Uh, you know, on your social media stuff. If it's a blessing to you, help us get the word out. The good news, you can share it even in foreign countries. Because we use closed captioning, it not only allows the hearing impaired here and the United States to be able to hear it, but it translates the closed captioning in every language around the globe, so that if you want to share it with someone in Pakistan, they can watch it and get the gospel uh, through the closed captioning that being said, I want to come back to these texts that we're dealing with, because we're talking about the Spirit-led life, the Spirit-governed life, the difference between what Paul called being in the flesh and being in the Spirit. Now, I don't know that I've got time to go back and read all of this, but let me just kind of review a little bit. In chapter 7, Paul said, when I want to do good, evil is present with me. What I want to do is not what I seem to do, but what I hate, that's what I seem to do. When I want to do good, I, I end up doing evil. And when I when I try not to do evil, I end up doing it anyway. And Paul said, it becomes a faded life of tyranny, of this roller coaster ride, up to the place where he became so discouraged, he said, Oh wretched man that I am, who who is the key word, will deliver me from this body of death, I thank God he will through Jesus Christ. So the whole message of the end of Romans 7 is, the law could not do the work in you, because it depended upon human strength, human effort, self-will, and self-help programs. And Paul said it always ends up like a roller coaster of victory-failure. Victory-failure until you come to the place you say, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And then he answers that question by thinking, thank God he will. So he begins in Romans 8 telling us then that there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And so he begins to talk about the difference between living in the Spirit and living in the flesh, and the message Bible says in, 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 uh, uh, in in Romans chapter 7, or I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 8, it says, verse 4 says, And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished, as we instead of redoubling our own efforts simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. He said, Those who think they can do it on their own, verse 5, end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them that find that God's Spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into, a, into an open, into a spacious free life. Focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. And anyone who completely absorbed in self ignores God ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. And he goes on to tell them that if they, uh, uh, but God Himself has taken up residence, I might as well read a little bit of this, in your life you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of Him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcomed Him, in whom He dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, He'll do the same in you that He did in Jesus, bringing you alive to Himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, and He does as surely as He did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With His Spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. So don't you see we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for us. Then He begins to talk about in verse 15, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid grave-tending life. It's an adventurous expecting, uh, expected greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirit, confirms who we really are. It gives us identity as a son. We know who He is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with Him, we'll naturally certainly go through the good times. You don't get an inheritance when you die, you get an inheritance when somebody else dies. Our inheritance is not based on when we die and get to go to Heaven. Our inheritance is based on He died and left us something. And He left us the ability to enter into sonship. See, He's talking about, again, moving from a law-based, flesh-based, self-help Band-Aid religion. He said, instead of redoubling our own efforts, I think at about four, we simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. That all the law was, was like a Band-Aid on sin instead of the deep healing of it. But this work of the Holy Spirit in your life as a believer does a far deeper work than just behavior modification. It is life-transforming. And so then Paul begins to talk about, and this is the part that I want to get into in this segment, try to close this segment out. Verse 22 says, all around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling birth pains. These sterile bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We of course don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in, in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and our aching groans. I love that. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keep us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God has worked into something. God knew what He was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape our lives and the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as the life of His Son. The Son stands first in line of humanity He restored. We see the original intent and what He intended shape of our lives there in Him. After God made that decision of what His children should be like, He followed it up by calling people by name. After He called them by name, He set them on a solid basis with Himself, and, and, and then after getting them established, He stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what He had begun in them. I love that. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing Himself to the worst by sending His Son, is there anything else that He wouldn't gladly and freely do for us. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? I like that too. (laughs) Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who raised to life for us is in the presence of God, presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. He's not accusing you. Scripture says in Romans, I'm mean, not Romans, John five, I believe it is, verse 45, there's one that accuses you, even Moses, but Jesus said, "Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. He's sticking up for you. He's making intercession for you. He's praying for you right now. I think those are powerful things. He didn't just get us started on this way. But he sticks with us to the very end. I like that. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Now that's powerful. They kill us in cold blood. He said, what can separate us from the love of God in Christ? Nothing. God will never stop loving you. He said, they kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus our Master has embraced us. Love wins. That's the bottom line. Now let me say a few comments because there's not a whole lot of time left. In the context of what this is saying, see to me I have to so emphasize context a lot. When Paul is talking about He said, for the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. For the expectation of the creature waits with expectancy like a pregnant mother, waiting and travailing in pain, not only the creation, but we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to with the redemption of our body. And then he goes on to say, for the creation itself will be brought into the glorious liberty of of the sons of God. Now what I begin to think in terms of is I started putting myself in the day where Paul was at. See, because we want to pull this Romans 8 text out and use it to preach on suffering. I used to do it myself, and I used to preach, the more you suffered, the more like Jesus you're going to become, and man, you know, God's going to pull you through a knothole backwards. And I preached the message, especially in the 80s, it was a strong message to preach on suffering that produces sonship. But what he was saying, now think about the context, the suffering that Paul was going through was not God giving him sickness or bankruptcy or or God doing anything to him. The suffering they were going through was because they were preaching a message that seemed diametrically opposed to the legalism of the law of the old covenant. This covenant of law had come to an end, and these apostles are declaring a message not of slavery and bondage, but of freedom and sonship. So that the whole creation was groaning and travailing, and that the suffering of that present time was not worthy to be compared with the glory that was about to be revealed. The glory that was about to be revealed was the glorious liberty that was coming to the creation as a result of these men being willing to hazard their lives for the gospel. See, you and I stand today in a glorious liberty. The most legalistic church you could find in America today would be uh, to them liberals compared to what the law of Moses demanded. We live in a climate of freedom like none other we've ever lived in before in Christ. And it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And that's what these men were willing to die for. They had caught a revelation that it's not about the law-governed life, it's about the spirit-governed life. It's not about the bondages of legalism. It's about the freedom of spirit-led living, that if you're led by the Spirit, you're a son. It wasn't about living out of law. It was about a life that would keep you. It was not about uh, uh, you trying to uh, get God's approval. It was about you receiving God's approval. And he said that the whole creation was groaning and travailing, and he uses the whole birth pain paradigm. I can't help but think even about Matthew 24 and I don't want to get so much into eschatology but I will tell you this, we have a whole playlist on YouTube that deals with the book of Revelation and a lot of end time stuff that's probably different than you've been taught before. And I'm taking a lot of heat for that but I believe it's my assignment to teach it I'm going to keep on teaching it. But Matthew 24 he tells them and he's standing in all of the, in front of all the beautiful buildings of the temple and he's talking about what's going to happen in that generation, because he's talking to that first century audience. He says, do you see all this? Pointed at the temple. He said, not one stone is going to be left on another that will not be thrown down. He was talking about the dismantling of the temple and the whole system of Judaism and animal sacrifice, because that covenant and that age had abruptly come to an end. And it was fading away. And for the next 40 years, the writer of the book of Hebrews said, it was fading away away until the destruction of the temple that came exactly 40 years after Jesus gave that prophecy and set a time text to it and he said this generation won't pass until all of this is fulfilled. He was talking to a first century people that were Jewish talking about what was going to happen with their temple and what was going to happen at the end of that age, not the end of this one. And so he begins to talk there, and they are asking, when will these things be? Well, to will be the sign, and the end of the world, King James says, but every other translation says the end of the age. It was the end of the old covenant age, not the end of this age. It was written to those in Judea. He said, let him that's in Judea flee to the mountains. Don't want to get into a whole lot of that. But he said, he goes on down through there in just a few verses, and he says to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. The love many will wax cold. There'll be famines and earthquakes. They'll deliver you up to be killed. And he starts listing all of these things that would happen. And we so many times pull that out of context and preach it in a time slot that it does not belong. It belonged in that first century time clock. And the reason it did was because it's the fulfillment of the curses of Deuteronomy because these people had called the covenant curses on themselves and God was obligated to keep His end of the covenant bargain, while He's offering them redemption and salvation from the curse of the law, they are refusing it, and as a result, all of the curses of Deuteronomy were about to come on them, including famines and earthquakes, and they'll deliver up to be killed, your cities will be plundered and burnt, and and, and, and go back and read some of the things from Deuteronomy. You'll see them exactly fulfilled in Matthew 24. But here's what I'm after. He said, you'll hear about wars, rumors of wars. They'll deliver you up to be killed. Then will be great tribulation, such as was not since the world began or would again be after that. All these things, King James says, are the beginning of sorrows. But if you read that in the Amplified Bible, it says all these things, the famines, the earthquakes, the, the delivering them up to be killed, the suffering that would take place, he said all these things are the beginning of birth pains. Now see, to me, birth pains is something totally different than just any kind of pain. It is a pain that produces. Now Paul was talking here in Romans 8 that the creation was groaning and travailing. What's happening is the shift from that old covenant age to the new covenant age was full of birth pains. As a matter of fact, when you you read in the book of Thessalonians, he said when they cry peace and safety, then comes sudden destruction, as of a woman in travail. And that's not talking about this century stuff. It was talking about first century stuff. They literally did that right at the siege of, of They began to declare that some of the signs that God was giving them were signs that God was on their side. No, they weren't. They were signs that God said, listen, man, it, you, He told them in Matthew 24, when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, you better get out of here let him that's in Judea flee to the mount. And those who believed the prophecy of Jesus in A.D. 70 left Jerusalem three and a half about in about 66, 67 A.D. they fled to Pella and not one believer hardly was destroyed in the siege of Jerusalem because they believed the prophecy of Jesus to escape and to get out of it. But a great burnt pains, great upheaval, it was a time, uh, you know, when, when He says to them, uh, in uh, uh, I forget exactly the chapter and verse, but he, the, the disciples are fighting over who's going to sit on your left, who's going to sit on your right. He said, it's not mine to give, but it's given to my Father. He says, but those of you who follow Me in the regeneration will sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. If you read that, the Amplified Bible said, those of you who follow Me in the Messianic rebirth of the world will sit on twelve thrones. Now, I believe there was a Messianic rebirth of the world coming. Now, I believe there was a Messianic rebirth of the world that occurred in the first century. Now, I believe that there's also an individual born-again spirit, uh, uh, experience that we receive as we, uh, you know, are born again, not of corruptible things, but by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. But nevertheless, what I'm after is the suffering that Paul was talking about in Romans 8 is not God sending suffering to you, to process you. It was the suffering that they endured to be able to hand you this glorious liberty of living in the freedom of Christ in the new covenant. And we don't realize the great price that was paid as these men were literally led, they killed us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. He said they, uh, you know, but he said none of this phases us. Absolutely nothing phases us because everything Paul said that we're going through here is so that the creation itself, which is also growing, I mean, that first century period of time was probably one of the most pivotal times in human history. Even even the date system began to shift from BC to AD, knowing that such a massive shift had occurred from there on out that what governed you before was the law of Moses. What's going to govern you now is the kingdom of God and the Spirit of God that works in you to produce freedom in you, but literally freedom from not only law and tyranny, but freedom from sin and the things that destroy your life. The Spirit-given life and a life lived in the context of sonship as sons and daughters of God, and the whole creation was brought into that same glorious liberty. I don't think we really realize. Now I believe there's ongoing results of this, of course. That creation is going to be affected as an ongoing result of what happened in the first century. But all of this became available when Jesus got back up from the dead and offered us this resurrected life. And one of the things that I appreciate is that it offers to us a life lived in the Spirit, governed by the Spirit. God conforming to His image of His Son, He was the first in the line of restored humanity, but He came and took on Himself this fallen condition and suffered like we do to redeem them that were under the law. And he goes on to tell us then that now under this new covenant, there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not life, not death, not angelic, not demonic, not political, not homelessness, not life, not death, not even the worst sins. List in Scripture can make God stop loving you. And it is faith that works by love. When When you realize how much God loves you, he said then, what do you think? I like this. He says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? I mean, that's, what an incredible thing. What an incredible thing. And I want to get one more scripture here before I quit. This is Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 from the message. He said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. Very simple. You offer your life, King James says, it, it talks about offering your body as a living sacrifice, but I like how the message Bible says, that your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, your ordinary life. Get up in the morning and say, God, here I am. I'm presenting my body as a living sacrifice. Live your life through me. Manifest the image of your Son through me. Touch creation through me. Transform me through the inner working of the Holy Spirit. Let your work do the birthing in me, that any kind of pain that I experience is only for the purpose of bringing about birth pains and delivering us into a glorious liberty. That's the kind of life he wants us to live, is a life that is led before him. I feel like this ought to bless somebody today. There's hope for you. What can separate? God will never stop loving you. That doesn't mean the things you're doing are all right. As a matter of fact, they're destroying you more than they are God. But the reality of it is, He wants to give you this abundant life, this inheritance of the Spirit of God. One of the things that is our inheritance is wait for the promise of the Spirit, He told them in an upper room. Because when the Spirit of God comes in, He changes your life if you don't know Him today, invite Him today. Ask the Lord, Lord Father, let me just pray with somebody today. We pray that You will just help us to learn how to be governed by Your Holy Spirit. We present ourselves to You today, our everyday normal life, we present it to You as a living sacrifice. Let Your life manifest in and through us. Set free people who've watched this series from addictions and self-destructive behavior to embracing what the Spirit is doing in them. If they don't know you today, Lord, let they welcome into their lives today you living, breathing God who's for us and not against us. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us again on this series. I trust you've been blessed. If you've been blessed by this ministry and you'd like to sow a seed into the ministry, simply go to our website. There's a place there you can give via credit card or debit card, or check or money order. There is an address on the screen where you can send check or money order. You could call the number on the screen and give via credit card or debit card that way. If you don't uh, have an answer when you call the phone line, please leave a uh, message if you'd like a return call and we'll t- uh, try to call you back. We have a very limited staff, and so but we do need your help. God bless you. I hope this has blessed you, and thank you for joining in again. Share this with your friends. I believe it'll be a blessing to them. God bless you. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.